Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening for the Real Deal with Student Pro Connect. Student Pro Connect is the social networking website and app where students and industry professionals can connect. If you are a student or someone looking to change your career, you will be able to find valuable insight firsthand from people in the field. If you are an industry professional, this is a great way for you to give back and share your story to inspire the new generation. The purpose of this segment is to provide the real deal behind what it takes to start and thrive in various fields. Every segment will feature an industry professional telling their story and sharing their insight. If you have not done so already, please sign up on Student Pro Connect by going to our website, www.studentproconnect.com or downloading our app, which is available both in Google Play or the App Store. Please feel free during this segment to type in your comments and questions, uh, which we'll answer towards the end of the show. Now, without further ado, I'm very pleased to present our guest for this evening, Jennifer Cadet. Hi, good evening. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer is an elementary school teacher and she's been teaching for 20 years. So she has, I'm sure she's gonna have great insight for us this evening. Thank you so much for being with us, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I am more than excited to share my knowledge, my experience and the real deal about the teaching field. That's right, thank you. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the teaching profession. Um, so from research, we can see, you know, in terms of looking through different news articles and statistics, we definitely see that there's a downward trend, um, actually even a shortage, we can say, um, especially through K through 12. And this has been further exacerbated with COVID-19. Um, can you tell us, is this what you're seeing in the field? Yes, this is definitely what's happening in the field. Unfortunately, the teaching profession is becoming quite vast because of COVID-19, especially. Um, with COVID-19, there is definitely not enough teachers, um, especially with working remote as well as in person. Many teachers are using this time to come out of the field, actually. Many of them are retiring. Uh, there are many teachers who are quitting the field because of the COVID-19 crisis that's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that this is something that um, even post-COVID that we're still gonna see this trend of, you know, I guess not in the schools? Honestly, I feel like it's gonna happen right now. I think there's gonna be a loss of a lot of teachers. I do, however, feel like once COVID-19 is over, it, there's gonna be another influx. I feel like right now teachers are a little afraid maybe, um, a little worried about being in person, especially around children. However, because of this shortage, there's gonna be a time when so many teachers are needed. So when these graduates are, are graduating and looking for jobs, I think there's gonna to be tons of jobs out there 
actually, because there are uh, a lot of substitute teachers who are in the classrooms now because of the shortage. So they're taking teachers who are not even fully qualified and throwing them in the classroom and online because of the shortage of teachers. So I think when this turns around, it's gonna be a really great time for teachers to actually get their feet back in the education field. Exactly, which I guess just leads right into opportunity, right? So um, just some quick stats really quick. We're seeing growth when it comes to post-secondary teachers, which is seeing the fastest growth at 11%. Um, we're seeing preschool teachers at around 70%. Uh, growth, 7%, sorry, growth. And then we're also seeing employment growth for kinder, elementary school teachers, middle school teachers, high school teachers, and even special ed teachers to be around three to 4%. So I think that kind of goes in line with what you just said. There is opportunity. There is definitely opportunity, especially with, um, I don't know if anybody's familiar, uh, in New York, they are opening so many more pre-K positions and they're introducing 3K, which is even younger than the average uh, child when they would start school a long time ago. It was, you know, five years old. It's the age is getting younger. Mm -hmm. So they're opening schools to uh, pre-K children. And this year they're planning on opening so much more for 3K, which is three-year-old children. Mm -hmm. I predict that in the near future, they're going to have public school for, for even the two-year-olds uh, because they're opening so many uh, pre-K options. So there's this is a time for a lot of early childhood teachers to get in there because there's really going to be um, a lot of jobs. As far as post-secondary, of course, you have teachers who have been in the field for a long time and sometimes just kind of need a change and are moving over to post-secondary teaching positions. So I think that's probably why there could be a growth there as well. Yeah, so I definitely, I, I, I think what you're saying is really great insight. So if there's anyone out there that's kind of maybe in the midst of going, you know, to enter the education system and is kind of worried and don't know, you don't know if they should even proceed, I guess your advice would be to continue. I would definitely say to continue definitely because this is is only going to you know they're only going to need more and more teachers this is a profession that is always in demand there are always more children being born and always you know parents looking for places to put their children so i think you can't go wrong in my opinion okay okay so i guess walk us through it i mean what does it take to become a teacher it's quite different from when I started. However, the majority of it is the same. Of course, it starts with getting your bachelor's degree. That is definitely the first step. You have to have your bachelor's. Um, surprisingly, it doesn't have to be in education, but I'll take you guys through that later. After the bachelor's, you have all these certification exams that you have to are exams such as the LAST, uh, there is the CST, there is the ATSW, there's the EDTP. So there are quite a few exams that you need to pass in order to gain your certification. Um, after that, there's your fingerprints. You cannot step foot into the Department of Ed without your fingerprints. Um, as far as certification, as I said, 
the exams will take you to certification. The exams as well as your bachelor's degree. There are also workshops that you have to take that helps for certification that I think many people don't know about. There is the violence prevention workshop that you have to take. You have to take the child abuse workshop. You have to also, they just introduced DASA, which is Dignity for All Students Act. It's like an anti-bullying workshop. All these workshops have to be taken before you get your initial certification. Um, so once that's done, then as you're teaching in your first uh, job as a teacher, you have to be mentored, of course. Um, after your mentoring and after your years of teaching, you have up until five years to get your master's degree so that your certification can become professional. So after your master's degree, you got to go again and get your professional certification. Your tenure is what you earn as you teach. Uh, there was a time when if you taught for three years, you would earn your tenure and you would be untouchable in the school system. That has, however, changed. Um, it's all on the principal now. So that's why there's all these uh, evaluations for teachers that you have to go through yearly um, to help you earn that tenure. And then, of course, there's continued professional learning, which is what you have to do to keep your professional certification um, in good standing. So you have to get up to 175 hours of professional development every five years so that your certification can remain active. So there are a lot of steps, yes, but it's all worth it um, in the end. And then I also mentioned that you don't necessarily have to have your bachelor's in education. There is also what they call teaching fellows. Uh, that is when someone majors in a completely different um, background. For instance, you can major in psychology or I knew people who majored in law and then decided they wanted to teach. They will actually put you in the classroom um, under a mentor and pay for you to get your master's degree in education. So that is another pathway uh, to becoming a teacher if someone is not sure that that's what they want to do at first. Wow, that's interesting. So you can actually choose a different major, um, but still have it as an option to you in your course of study. Yes. Okay. Now, yes, you can definitely. Do can you stop at any point in this in this uh, path? Or when I say stop, meaning must you get your master's at this point? I guess that's a, that's mandatory. Yes, it actually is mandatory. They give you uh, your first certificate is valid for five years. Within those five years, uh, that is the time to work on your uh, master's degree. Mm -hmm. And once you earn that master's, you have to then reapply for your professional certification. So if you don't get your master's uh, and if you're in the you know Board of Ed, then chances are you may not get to keep that position. Wow. So in that sense, do you do you get fired or do they drop you? Do you become now a lesser position or do can they actually like fire you from the job without the masters if you don't reach the five year mark? They can, they can actually fire you. Um, there is also 
I mean, once they fire you, of course, there are, you know, there's always, I believe, lots of doors that people leave unturned. Um, while you're nearing, getting close to your five-year mark, you can uh, do things such as apply for extensions. Um, lucky you'll get up to three years extension time. Mm -hmm. um, but once that extension time is up and you don't have that master's, then yes, you can determine it. But the good news is, yes, you can take a lesser position. You can uh, become a substitute teacher. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so there are other options. Okay, good. And definitely other options. Regarding the professional certification, now are these courses that you have to take? To get your professional certification, no. Once you have your initial certification, if you don't let that expire, then once you earn your master's, you can turn your initial into a professional. Okay. Yeah. But they're constantly changing things and throwing in new exams and throwing in new workshops. So it's important to stay with that, uh, the time limit that they give you. Mm -hmm. For instance, if you let your initial certification expire mm -hmm. and then you try to get the professional, you may have to follow whatever new rules they throw in there. But if you don't let your initial certification expire, then you can just kind of continue and switch it over to your professional. Got it. Got it. And then something that we always hear about is that teachers do not get paid enough. <laughs> and I think looking at this map, I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, I see New York is at the highest um, in terms of pay, and I know you're, I mean, a New York teacher, so I guess that kind of puts you in a good position. I, <laughs> but then I see other areas like, you know, Florida, you know, um, in, they're, they're on the lower end. So explain that to us, I guess. I mean, I guess, first of all, do you agree that teachers okay. are not paid enough? <laughs> So here's the thing. I honestly feel like teachers are paid a pretty decent salary. I think the reason why people love to say that is because there's so much expected of you as a teacher and you're, you know, you're teaching people's children. And when you're in the classroom, you're not only the teacher, you're the teacher, you're the mom, there's paperwork. So I think that's why people kind of like to say that teachers don't get paid enough. Um, but speaking, honestly, if you do your part and you get that bachelor's degree and you work on that certification and you get that master's, you will be paid a pretty decent salary. There's also um, what they call your 30 and above. And what, what that means is after you get your master's degree, you have the option to get an additional 30 credits. If you do that, you will be making a top salary as a teacher. So I kind of have some numbers for you guys, just so you understand um, where I'm coming from. Um, a teacher who just graduated from school with their bachelor's, um, still working towards certification, can get a position as a teacher and get paid $61,000 a year. So now if you add your certification to that, then that goes up to 66. If you're someone who already has your master's, you can bring that up to 68 starting salary. 
someone who has their 30 credits and above can make $76,000 starting salary as a teacher. So also there's the fact that when you're a department of ed teacher, your salary increases with the years that you put in. Mm -hmm. So after about five years, your salary actually grows a little bit every year. But when you reach five to seven years, you're going to notice a big jump. And then at 10 years again, you're going to notice a big jump. So if you have all your credentials, I think you'll find that you'll be pretty happy with your salary. Okay. Okay. So definitely misconception. And I have to say, when you were talking about, you know, the reason why people say that, I think, especially with COVID now, you know, especially with the kids being at home, I think parents for sure are thinking, man, teachers do a lot more. I think this whole experience definitely opened our eyes, um, you know, into how important the role of a teacher is um, for sure. Right. All right, so let's hear your story. Um, I mean, as much as you can share with us, you're thinking of all the responsibility. It. Maybe people feel like, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. No problem. My story. Um, let's see. So we're talking the real deal here. I'll tell you guys. I did not know that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, right away. When I was done with high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do and where I was going to go. But I did attend Long Island University and I started as a nursing major. I just knew that I wanted to work with children. So I kind of tricked myself and said, oh yeah, I can be a nurse for children. Um, But it hit me really quickly that I was definitely in the wrong place uh, being in (laughs) being a nursing major. I said, what am I doing? No, I have to figure this out. So did I figure it out right away? No, I did not. But I thought teaching would be the safest way for me to go. So that is why I decided I would major in education. So then I started thinking about all the teachers that I've had um, during my schooling. And I decided that I wanted to be the kind of teacher that I never had. So that is what kind of sold the deal for me. I said, I'm gonna become better than the teachers that I've had in my childhood. Um, So after graduating with my bachelor's degree, I was thrown into the classroom, uh, became a teacher, and unfortunately was one of those teachers who ran out of time and their certification expired and was terminated from the Department of Ed. Um, So unfortunately, that was not, of course, what I wanted, Um, but it did get me into childcare, which I have done for a long time as well. Um, It helped me become very knowledgeable with Um, early childhood learners and I developed a passion for early childhood Um, so then it wasn't until 20 years after my bachelor's that I got my master's degree in early childhood and that's where I am now that's awesome now again I love the fact that again keeping it real here's a situation where you 
obviously, I mean, 20 years later, you still went back and you were able to go for your master's. I did, yes. Amazing. And so in between that time, you were able to still do childcare and and still be in the classroom. Yes, definitely. Um, Soon after I lost my uh, DOE position, as I said, there are other options. I I did substitute teaching for a little while. I, um, as I said, then was introduced into early childhood. Surprisingly, early childhood, um, they expect your credentials to kind of be where Department of Ed wants your credentials to be. So, you know, you still have to push and and don't think just because you're a daycare teacher, you don't need, you know, to be certified and you don't need a master's. You still need all of that education because they still expect high quality teachers. Mm-hmm. So I kept pushing um, so that I can, you know, remain certified and go ahead and get that master's. Wow. Now, when you say like preschool, that's so these are private sector. That's the private sector. There's actually preschool, no, well, they are um, community-based organizations, which is what people call daycare. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them now are actually becoming part of the Department of Ed, so they're merging, Mm -hmm. which is um, a good thing, especially for those who had, uh, a lot of people kind of have these negative ideas about daycare teachers and that you don't work a lot and the work is easy. And that is not true at all. As I said, you still have to be a very qualified teacher. Okay. Um, teacher in that field, it's still a lot of paperwork. Um, you still have to do lesson plans. You still have to do, you know, paperwork and have parent-teacher conferences. All of that is the same. So same expectations for both. Yes, same expectations. The only thing is you kind of have a little bit more space in um the daycares because you can kind of say that you're on a, a study plan and you're working towards getting these, um, you know, these working on these credentials. And then of course, in the daycare, they don't have to pay you as much mm-hmm. as you would get paid in a um, DOE. Got it. Got it. We have a comment. Congratulations to you, by the way, <laughs> from one oh. of they say congratulations thank you yeah so that's awesome so let's talk about the real deal here so you've already given us a lot of yes deal already um real deal i guess yeah the real right so what would you have done differently oh i can think of so many things that i would have done differently <laughs> honestly speaking so um, the first thing I would tell any other aspiring teacher would be to work on your credentials ASAP. Don't get your bachelor's and say, I'm going to take a break or, you know, oh, I'm going to do. If you can go right ahead and get that bachelor's and then get that master's, work on your certification, if you can do all that right away i would say to do it right away because that's only going to help you on your path to where you want to end up many teachers don't want to stay in the classroom honestly speaking many teachers kind of pass through the classroom and say they want to become you know administration or they want to do 
pull out where you work with small groups of children. So if this is the case for you, I would say get everything as soon as you can and get on that path. Don't wait on it because things are constantly changing. Um, what about mentorship? Did you have any mentors along the way? I did have mentors. They, when you become a teacher with the Department of Ed, they sort of assign you these mentors. And these are teachers who've been teaching for a very long time and they kind of buddy up with you. Um, sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's mm-hmm. not. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And usually they kind of expect you to do things the way they do it. You kind of have to feel your way around and learn things through experience. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times they have you, I mean, as even part of the training is you just kind of shadowing right. someone. And like you said, that may not be the way you would want to do it necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Biggest misconceptions. I think we already touched on a few already. Yes, we did. I think the the biggest, okay, we spoke about the teacher's pay. That was, that's one misconception. Um, Another misconception I have to say is that teaching is an easy job. I think so many people feel like you're in the classroom with the children. All you have to do is sing. And, you know, be funny, be silly, teach them their ABCs, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, you have paid vacation, and you have all the these days. Summer's off. off. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is definitely, I think, the biggest misconception of teaching. Teaching is actually a lot of work. You have to really love the job, I think, to put in your best and be your best teacher you have there are days when you walk into the classroom and you're tired or you know you have kids at home or you didn't have a good night's sleep or you can be going through anything but once you walk into that classroom those children are like looking at you and counting on your every word and waiting for you to tell them what to do and waiting for you to teach them and it's a lot you have to plan you have to organize for instance if you're teaching about water you have all these areas in your classroom that have to connect to water somehow and then you have students who have so many different personalities if you have 20 students no two students are the same they all have these different personalities you have to get to know the personalities in order to learn what works best for them this is not like teaching long time ago when you teach the whole class A, B, C, D at the same time. Maybe this child is not ready for B, so you gotta have to know how to work with the student's learning abilities. And then you have the parents that you have to work with as well. So teaching is not an easy job. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think you make a great point. You know, especially even elementary school teachers, I think a lot of people underestimate it because mm-hmm. they're younger and it's it's easy. If anything, it's probably more difficult than old. It's more challenging, yes. Exactly. To keep them engaged. Right. And, and make sure they're actually learning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess that leads right into the most challenging. What <laughs> is the most challenging? As I said, 
um, having all those different personalities who all learn differently. You have to get to know all these personalities and what works best for all these personalities. As I said, um, one student may be ready to do Z and another student can't get the concept of A. So you have to know how to not stop everybody else from learning, but still focus on the child who doesn't know A yet and how not to lose the child who already knows Z. And as I said, you have the parents as well. Which is very Yeah, I mean, of course, because because parents are always, if anything, they want to make sure their kids are learning. A lot of them, um, you know, you get different types of parents as well. Right. So you also have to learn to deal with their personalities and right. reassure them <laughs> that there's exactly. Yeah, so that can definitely be challenging. Um, but the biggest reward, is it all worth it in the end? It is definitely uh, worth it in the end. As I said, this is why you have to um, love what you do. You have to love being around these children because you're not always in the, you know, in the right place to do the job. But the reward is when you get that child in the beginning of the year who's just staring at you and afraid to open up to you and, you know, on some occasions don't talk and then you see them at the end of the year and they're talking and they're speaking in sentences and they're functioning as if, you know, they can run the classroom and they're reading and they're writing and they're doing all these things that they were not able to do in the beginning. It is really a great feeling. So I always say teaching is its own reward. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I guess you kind of touched a little bit. You said, obviously, when you first started, things were very different. Um, yes. and now, again, with COVID and all these other things, you know, how is it changing or how has it changed? It is changing uh, quite a bit. I can. Uh, one of the things that stand out to me is when I started teaching, um, of course, you kind of teach everybody the same thing. You know, you have your lesson plan in mind and, you know, you teach that, but it's changed a lot. Now, um, there's especially in the early childhood um, classrooms, this thing that they call learn as I play. So you, if you're dealing with uh, kindergarten and under, you have to find a way to engage the children um, through play. So if you're teaching letters, numbers, social studies, whatever it is, you have to find a way to incorporate play. So I know many teachers are struggling with um, the learn as I, learning as I play concept. So I think that's one major change, um, of course. And as you said, the COVID, because mm -hmm. now many teachers are working remote. Exactly. Exactly. And how has that changed teaching? I mean, now virtual and we're, we're talking about, you know, younger kids. It's, you oh, know, my goodness. We would, need, we would need another half hour to talk about how much that has, <laughs> how much that has changed. Yeah. Because here I am, for example, with a class of about 15 children. Um, you're not there. They're all at home and you have to somehow grasp their attention and get them to pay attention to you not the tv in the background not their bed that they're laying in 
not the table that they're sitting at where they're eating at the same time. You have all these things that you gotta that you have to deal with and still be able to teach the children at your best. Mm-hmm. And find I guess keeping them engaged. Which is keeping them engaged, yes, is very hard, especially for early childhood learners. Of course, of course. Now, is there room for growth in the field? There is a lot of room for growth in the teaching field. Um, I always tell people there, you know, there are a lot of people who work for a few years as a teacher and, you know, they're tired of the classroom and they want to come out the classroom. My advice to those teachers would be to try another grade. You can try another grade. Maybe you had enough of the early childhood learners and you need to try third or fourth grade, or maybe you need to try fifth grade or sixth grade. And then there's also, as I said, positions where you can work as a teacher who pulls out children with certain um, needs. For, For instance, if somebody needs help with reading, or you know ELA or with math, you can be the person to go to the classrooms and pull out the group of three or four children. So then you don't have the whole class to deal with. You can work with small groups. And then of course you can go for administration. If it's in a daycare, you can become a director. If it's in a public school, you can become a principal um, or a vice principal. So there's definitely room for growth in the teaching field. Okay, now if you wanted to go the administrative route or persistent principal or vice, you know, principal, would it still be the same education path? Well, you need the years of experience in order to um, go for the administration. But yes, you would have to take your, uh, you would have to go back and take administration classes Mm -hmm. and certification exams in order to go that route. So yeah, you'd have to go a couple steps further. Okay. So we actually have some great questions coming in. I'm just looking through the comments here. So one question we had is, um, I've heard it's difficult to get into the DOE. Is that true? Yes, (laughs) it is definitely (laughs) true. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so many people, I know stories of people who put in their DOE applications every year and it's not until year three or year four that you get a response and you can actually get your foot in the door but what i will tell that person is now they're saying it's really important to be nominated by a principal so if you know someone who knows someone who knows the principal try to get in that school and introduce yourself to that principal because if the principal nominates you then that's like expediting your foot in the door. Got it. Now, now with the shortage though, do you think that it would be a little bit easier? Yes, it probably, I think it would be easier with the shortage because as I said, they have substitute teachers that are teaching um, in the classroom and teaching remotely because they don't have enough teachers for the children in the classroom and remote. So yes, I think this would be a good time to try to get in. Okay. Another question we have, can teachers work multiple jobs? <laughs> That's another good question. <laughs> so you can work multiple jobs. However, um, there are things that they say 
I can't remember the word right now, but it's kind of conflicting or it's uh, something along those lines. There are certain jobs that they will not like go a, for. Is it like a conflict of interest? Yes, there you okay. go. Conflict yes. of interest. But yes. if you're teaching and you want to um, tutor on the side, that's fine. If you're teaching and you have your summer off, you can definitely get another job in the summer. Um, you know, if you want to bring in a little extra money, you can also teach summer school to bring in extra money because, of course, everybody knows teachers get paid in the summer. <laughs> so, mm. if you want to do a little something extra, you can definitely do that. Okay. Do they pay more in the summer? No, it's your same pay. It's as if you're still, uh, yeah. Because if you think about it, uh, teachers only work 10 months, but everybody gets paid for a whole year. Yeah. There's nobody who gets paid uh, for anyone. So that's like just your pay for the year. Got it. Got it. All right. Another question we had is, uh, what are some of the fees to get the certifications? Do you have like oh. a expensive? <laughs> who pays for them? <laughs> oh, good one. Yes, there are fees. Um, many of the exams are, uh, you have to pay for everything. As a matter of fact, when you apply for the certification, you have to pay a hundred dollar fee just to apply for the certification. Um, if it's coming through your school, there are many schools who kind of lead you to the path of certification. Um, in that case, you only have to pay 50 for certification. But um, there is, for instance, the EdTPA. That's like one of the newest exams, it's $300 to register to take that class. And yes, you have to pay these fees yourself. Wow. Now, do, there's no like reimbursement or anything like that? No. Okay. No. Now, is there like an outline of these different certifications? Do they tell you which certifications to take or do you decide on your own? They tell you exactly what you need to take. As a matter of fact, if you're, I know with New York, which is probably the case with um, all other states, you go to the Department of Ed website and it'll take you through all the steps that you need in order to teach whatever it is you want to teach. For example, if you want to teach uh, daycare up to age eight, it's your early childhood certification that you need and it'll tell you just what exams you have to take. If you want to do junior high or high school, then it's a different set of exams that you have to take, but it'll walk you through um, all the things that you need. Okay, great. All right, so I guess if there's anyone out there that's either in the education field or studying to be in the education field or considering it, uh, what would you tell them? What is the best piece of advice you could give them? The best piece of advice that I can give someone that is looking to be a teacher is make sure that it's what you love. Make sure it's what you really want to do because there are many bumps and, and hurdles along the way. And if it's not something you love, you're gonna be one of those teachers who really quickly are saying, you know, I can't and I need to get out and I can't do this. So be sure that it's what you love and that you're ready to give it your 100% because it really does take 100% to be a teacher. You don't just teach from eight o'clock to three o'clock. You know, when you're home, you're, you're constantly thinking about what you're gonna work on next. You're constantly thinking about 
um, how you can make this better or how you can improve something. So it, it takes a lot of your time, not just when you're in the classroom, but there's also a lot of planning that happens when you're not in the classroom. And then remember there's paperwork and you have to answer to administration. So be sure it's what you love before you get in there. Okay, for sure. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You have given us so much great insight. Thank you so much for keeping it real with us. Thank you so much for having me. And I was extremely happy to share the real deal. Thank you. And for all of you guys viewing tonight, thank you for viewing the show. Um, please be sure to register by either going to our website, www.studentproconnect.com or downloading the app, which is available in Google Play or the App Store. We will be having a new show on April 7th, so please um, keep a lookout for that. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great evening.